0: You're listening to the Hal and Steve English podcast, a comfy place to talk about all the great and not so great parts of teaching ESL abroad. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Hal. Howdy. Today, we're going to talk about five great ways to handle class killers. These are the kids who ruin your classes by being super spoiled, ratty, and selfish. And if you're abroad, we're going to talk about how to handle the extra difficulty of your host country's cultural differences when it comes to disciplining kids. Stay tuned. All right, guys. Welcome back to How and Steve English. As always, you can run over to our website to get some awesome conversation lessons, grammar lessons, and ESL games for your kids. First month is free. It's ten bucks a month after that. It's awesome. Go check it out. All right. So, how? Yeah. Class killers. Yeah, I think we've all been there. Yeah, it's the. For me, it's the one of the banes of my existence. It's one of the reasons I whenever i'm having a good day if i run into a class killer that just ruins it yeah and i think i think
1: if some teachers are honest that can that can literally be the difference between you know quitting and going back and doing something else like that one kid that just pushes you over the edge your first year you know that can make a huge difference if you if you don't figure out how to handle them
0: yeah yeah, I think I've been hearing a lot of stories about that lately, and I, um, I remember being like that when I first arrived in Korea, but lately I heard a lot of stories of 40 or 50 year old, you know, teachers from the United States coming to Korea, and they have 20 or 30 years teaching experience, but they were thrown into a classroom, you know, at a local academy, where basically the kids didn't have any classroom management systems that they expected, uh, that they were expected to follow. And they were just, like, running around the classroom, and then, you know, three months down the line, or two weeks down the line, these people just quit, 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 quit. Which is interesting. Wow. Yeah, th- I've heard at least four stories about that. Uh,
1: I had no idea I hadn't heard that.
0: Yeah, I think one person lasted a day. This One of the stories I heard was this um, teacher trained in the United States, teacher for decades, came here, you know, probably got that government retirement pension, and just looking for a way to travel around the world and with their vast experience, figured, oh, teaching, teaching at an academy in Korea would be no problem. Came there, was shocked and awed by just kids and their behavior um, and messaged the academy owners, like, I'm done. I'm too old for this. I'm not interested in teaching at your academy.
1: Okay, so it's that situation where the person just has the experience and they're like, this is BS. This is going to, you know, take, take more than it's worth. And so they just have the, the knowledge to know that from the
0: beginning. So they just quit. Right. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think that's a large part to do with it. And I also think, you know, half of the equation when it comes to these spoiled kids, is just how difficult it is to figure out what the boundaries and the expectations for discipline are in a different culture and then in a business or in a classroom in a different culture too so it's just so different and the expectations are so different that yeah maybe to get the classroom into order would be not worth their time but also the methods like maybe they saw wow none of these other teachers are using any methods I know and actually what I would expect from my students aren't what you know I can expect here this is going to be tough I I don't think I can pull this one off right so, when you, for me, I have a very clear idea, of, um, what a spoiled or, bratty or what these classroom killers do and how they behave, and you know what's involved in them in the classroom. And I'm wondering, first, in your mind, what is this type of student for you?
1: Yeah, I think we, I think we talked about this a bit in a other, in another podcast, but in my mind, that spo- that spoiled kid, that class killer, is just the kid that does not want to be there 100% they've decided in their mind they don't want to be there their mom makes you know their parents make them come and so they're just doing anything and everything to just destroy the class in the hopes that some adult will break down (laughs) and let them out of the class basically and it is is a war.
0: That is a a great angle to look at it because I remember that from teaching at public school and teaching at other academies before we started teaching at our own. Um, Do you think that has a a typical age limit to it? Because in my experience, what I have nowadays is just younger kids, first through third grade, so Western age, six to ten years old, are those kids who are spoiled. But now that I'm thinking about it, in the past, I would teach middle schoolers who behaved the same way, kind of just sitting there with a vindictive mindset against either me or their mom and just didn't want to be there. So I'm wondering if you've noticed that it skews a certain age range.
1: No, yeah, I'd say uh, middle school and high school, very much the same, but I, just as childish. Uh, you know, just with a slightly different spin. Um, of course, if you're talking about like really spoiled in that classical sense, like when you imagine, you know, a Hollywood film where they're like pulling out hair and yelling and crying and running around, you know, you think mostly of elementary school. But yeah, in, in that sense where they're trying to destroy the class and escape, I think it extends the whole, the whole age range there.
0: Yeah, for me, I guess since I decide where I put the students in in the academy in our academy up in Yunchun, which if you guys have been on the podcast or listening to the podcast before you know. We have an academy in Yeoncheon's countryside Korean English academy. So it's got some unique attributes to it. And I place all the students based on their level test performance. And I've become pretty adept at, like, figuring out, oh, this kid's going to be a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have some tactics for that. But it was really interesting when you described your classics, little spoiled kid. I guess mine's, like, a little bit different. Nowadays, mine's a little bit different than that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Cheers. I might get into a diatribe here. But uh, um, so I guess a lot of the issues that I, we have with spoiled kids would be similar to any teacher in their home country, whether that's Australia or England or the United States. It's basically like the parents expect the teacher to deal with the kid and the parents expect the other students to just endure their kid's behavior instead of, you know, at home and in the real world, helping that kid, helping their own child set boundaries and expectations know learn how to live and have healthy relationships basically so in the two hours three days a week that we see those kids the parents put all the expectation on us to suddenly create a super well-mannered kid who's disciplined and enjoys studying English but they don't put any of that effort in at home so they don't help their kids study so I imagine at home the parents don't sit down with their kid and crack open a book You know, read a book while their kid's also reading their English readers. I imagine the parents are, do what I say, don't do what I do. So, typical type of thing you might expect to see in like a a trite little meme on Facebook a parent watching TV while telling their kid to read a book. It doesn't really work like that, right? Right, right. So, I I assume that's the same issue that we're facing. Uh, The same issue with other teachers back home.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. So, what the disconnect here with you and me is, is it's because like more than the, more than 50% of the students are like spoiled in that sense and have that, that issue with the parents between the parents and the education system. And I don't know how much of that has to do with where we are here in Korea, but like that's become the norm. Yeah. So uh, what I was describing is, is the class killer on top of that who's just purposely destroying your class, but uh, I, I'm with you there. I guess I've just... I just More than my half the class is always like that, so I just uh, forgot because I always deal with it.
0: Yeah, so I, I guess that's such a good point because I remember being here and being shocked at the classroom behavior of my kids and then using just some familiar tactics from the United States, and I didn't speak any Korean but just using tactics and using you know the silent treatment or or you know clap three times or giving them rules and candy as incentivization and nothing really worked and you know that's kind of like the other part of this whole you know what's a spoiled kid um it's like whenever we try to set these boundaries and establish incentivization programs and rewards even in those situations the kids don't want to participate like so if you have a reward The kid just wants that reward. They don't want to have to do the behavior to get the reward. And then it's always a comparative thing between the students. So the spoiled kid will recognize that another kid had good behavior and got a reward. And the spoiled kid will typically be angry that he simply doesn't have the reward. He doesn't recognize the process.
1: Right. Um,
0: And for me, it's a unique issue because I'm always worried about parents calling up with these insane complaints so, whenever their kid's upset or angry or cries in my schools, it's always, it's always because they're spoiled. I rarely have I had a child um, a child who was up, upset in class because another student bullied him. It's always the spoiled kid who's being mean to another kid, <laughs> and yeah. we discipline them, and, yep. and he cries. So, you know, he'll complain to us, he'll, he'll ruin class for us and the other kids, and, and then go home and complain to the mom. And this, the, the mom of the non-spoiled kid, in my opinion, just is like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's my kid. I'll, I'll, I'll change him. The mom of the spoiled kid will call us up and tell us to treat her child better or to ignore her child's bad behavior and just let him be in class or to, you know, just complain about us in a general. Basically, ask us for favors, 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 in a sense. Like, just... Can you just have the other kids endure it? Can you can my kid just break the rules? Can my kid just get the reward? Can you just give him the candy? Can you just give him the certificate that said he did good? Things like that.
1: Yeah, I I, I think, I, I believe, I remember my mom. So my mom's a uh, counselor in the public school system back in the U.S., career teacher. And I, I think I do remember her saying, like, the worst kids, which are the ones she got as the counselor. She did one-on-one with the worst kids. And I think I remember her saying, like, the parents were impossible to deal with because they did everything to, to push the blame out, and they didn't accept. And they did the, the behaviors you're describing. Now, I think that's a much rarer case. I hate to make that cultural point, but... Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying there.
0: Well, let's just let's just jump on that cultural point <laughs> because it re- it really is true. There is a big, big difference between you know Western culture and Eastern culture, and especially Confucian culture, and that's been something that's really difficult to deal with these spoiled kids because there's this idea of face, so saving face. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners really know, but um, just if you're not familiar with that idea, it's kind of this. What a lot of people would think is like this this thing that's pervasive around every aspect of the culture. It's in every single part of the culture. Every situation. And it's basically if you just impinge somebody's honor in the community, then you've discredited them. And it's horrible for them to endure. So everything is about not or everything's about avoiding that, right? Everything's about avoiding having your honor, you know, dragged through the mud. And it's involved in the dumbest things. So, you know, when I talk to my Korean friends or my Korean-American friends, it's like, yeah, man, you can't, no, in class, we can't say we don't understand something. Because it's more than just being embarrassing to ask a question in class. It's like, this is our reputation. This is, like, the most important thing. And we look dumb. We're not going to do that. Um, they're, if they get called out for doing something in class, it's like, no, now that person is my enemy. I hate that teacher for the rest of my life, you know, which is weird. Right. So obviously, if you have confident, rambunctious boys, it's not that big of a deal, but no, it's like if you call out a student for doing something badly, they might just hate you for the rest of life because you've embarrassed them in front of all their peers. And Americans are very, oh, culture's relative, and you know a lot of the same things that happened there happened here. It's like no, face culture's a very different beast onto itself. Um, it's such an important thing not to be seen as being different or dumb. And so yeah. whenever you talk to these parents about their kids, you can't even directly discuss the issues. And whenever you talk to the kids themselves, you can't directly discuss the issues usually because they're so worried, or we're so worried about, you know, what, what does this mean for their, their face, for their chain, uh, which is another word for it, it's, uh, it's, it's too hard. It's, it's so hard to have rules and boundaries because if you enforce the rules, you threaten embarrassing them in front of their class which means they'll just lose a lot of face and they might quit or they might leave or they might just refuse to participate. Yeah, that's uh,
1: such an excellent point. I I think just the issue is if you're a teacher and you've just been here a a year or two, it's really hard to internalize what Steve is describing, uh, what you're describing, like into your mind, you can understand what's, what's going on so it's different to understand what you're saying but it takes a while to see that happen in real time and and be able to respond to it you know what I'm saying Um, and then secondly another nasty truth here uh, what you're describing it's like 10 times worse because it's a foreigner right it's a foreigner that's calling them out making them lose face so I I don't know, but I think that's like, that's an even bigger deal. That's a huge deal.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Just like the sheer fact of being a foreigner is a big deal. And then like every single thing that we do is wrong. So I try so hard to operate and, and to make everything as, um, you know, especially when I discipline, to make everything as palatable as possible in the local culture, right? But I'm a foreign dude, my family's from New York. You know, they're kind of gruff people. And as much as I try, it's still not that good for the kids. And, you know, I end up just ruining it every time I try to discipline them everything. Every time I try to replicate my Korean teachers, how they discipline. Like, there's such a nuance to it all. Because they do kind of tease their kids in front of everybody else and ridicule kids. But they do it in a different way. So I try to replicate it. And then I end up just doing a worse job than if I were to just follow a simple... You know uh punishment or reward system well and and uh, i'm describing in the
1: more literal sense like you know as foreigners we are lower in the hierarchy and even though they're kids they are korean so you know what i'm saying like that is a that should not be a battle of um respect and hierarchy there but there is even though we're adults
0: what you're saying is 100%, Ryan. People who don't really realize that kind of live a gifted life abroad. They're either not aware of it or they're in a position where... Uh, yeah, I certainly wasn't aware of it my first years. Yeah, so. yeah. They're either not aware of it or they just don't uh, They don't live in a situation where they have to deal with that. So a lot of people, like me now, um, in that, in our location in Yunchun. I worked really hard to make sure the kids respected my title because titles are super important here right you explained hierarchy is important so i i pushed on that director's title i am the director of the school and so when i worked at other academies you know the kids would speak pan mal to me which is the derogatory way to speak to an elder in korean language and they would kind of say really rude things to me in korean like white dude or that guy, any any one time they don't refer to you with respectful, like sensing them, is re- actually, you think it's no big deal because in America, we don't really have this ranking thing, so it doesn't really matter that much. But here, there's it's all about hierarchy. That's extremely rude. That means they have not an iota of respect for you if they don't call you by your rank because they have to call everybody else by their rank. Even the dude who's 17 years old working at the convenience store has a title to a 12 year old kid you know and they need to call him by his correct title relative to you know them being a student and them being younger so when they don't do that for you they really don't respect you so then when you the person they don't respect disciplines them in class they're just like screw this dude i hate him this is the worst situation
1: Yeah, they, here's what happens. They throw one, even if you're semi-fluent in the Korean language, they throw one jab at you, test the boundary, make you look like an idiot to the other students, you know, and get away with it, and respect is gone. Game over. Because you haven't called them. They have just done something unspeakable. (laughs) And you just sit there and took it, apparently, in their eyes. Yeah, it's game
0: over. Everyone thinks I'm so crazy because I have my ears peaked at all times to listen for <laughs> "panma," which is the <laughs> yeah. way to speak down to somebody. And right. I just yell at the kids every single time I hear it. And it just never ends. It never ends. Like, I had a kid, which kind of the impetus for this episode, this kid, I'll, I'll call him Bandy, who from the first day he arrived at my academy to the last day was kicked out of my room every day, which I, I assure you is a, probably a bad reflection on me but he spoke ponmual to me from the very first day to the last and like andy don't speak ponmual okay teacher and then i'll hear ya from the back of the classroom <laughs> or i'll hear araso or um what what's in what's something else something like ka like go mogo eat like just that very nice yo at the end of the words i didn't hear it all so right. <laughs> yeah this little dude just and everybody my co-workers thought it was a non-issue but if my if any child spoke palm to my korean coworkers, they it would be just unfathomable to them they don't, they don't even have an experience with that so they don't even they don't even know and that's
1: yeah and that's that foreigner aspect right they're like oh no yeah no no big deal
0: it's like no it is a big deal and you know it that, and that's the thing. It takes it takes like a few years of being immersed in the culture for even us to accept it as a big deal. you're like, nah, it's no big deal, man. You call me whatever. You can say whatever to me. But then you realize this is, oh. Oh, you have zero respect for me if you use that form. <laughs> I thought it was just yeah. like I was being cool and I was being egalitarian because in America we do this or in England we do this. So it's like, oh, no, no, no. Here, that means I'm about the same level as... The puppy in the next room, as far as having to do it, as far as respecting me. Oh, that's not cool. Or I'm the same level as like your eight-year-old younger brother. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. There's just there's just a lot of. It's really difficult to discipline kids and to have kids treat you with respect and have great behavior, and it really ruins classes sometimes. So, yeah. Let's let's dive into those solutions. Yeah, let's get into these solutions. Um, I guess I'll lead first because I think this is the most important one. And for all of our listeners out there, I've taken this 100% from Howe, so I'm just going to introduce the topic, let Howe speak, but you've got to have a really good reward system. So that's your big number one. You need to have a reward system that everyone understands. They understand how to get rewards and they understand how they'll lose rewards. If you don't have that, you're going to really struggle to motivate children because, as Hal said earlier, a lot of kids don't want to be there. So you need to find a way to motivate them until they learn that they enjoy being in your English class. Right, yeah. Um,
1: and just let me add on to that. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a reward system. You have, to, so you have to, That's where my strength lies. Um, but... You, your, your strengths may lie in, uh, you know, establishing uh, punishment or a strict, uh, strict behavior management system. So, you know, there's those teachers I've seen even, you know, fresh out of college. They can just look at a student and have this look in their eye. And, you know, all the kids are suddenly quiet. I never had that. So I had to develop this, uh, you know, reward system.
0: Um, yeah well I think you have a bunch of really good different you know spins on your reward system but one thing that I remember I took 100% from you are like the three golden rules which would be don't speak Korean and for the, the other teachers that would be um, you know don't speak your local language so English only basically don't touch other students and don't shout
1: right and you can add on to that depending on how bad your kids are. Stay in your seat, and um, you can add on a cover all one. Listen to the teacher. So if those kids a lot of the kids will try to find a loophole in your in your rule system, and then they'll be like blah blah blah, and then you just be now
0: rule number five. Listen to the teacher. Don't do that. Yeah, and guys, make sure you print these off and hang them up in your classroom because. It's a really good exercise at the beginning of class to just point at them and have the kids repeat. Because even if they've never studied English before, like on day two of my first level class, they can repeat the rules to me. They don't understand them. I have to translate them into Korean a few times, and by the end of the week, they'll understand what those words actually mean or what that phrase means when they hear it but print them off and go through them every day at the beginning of your class. It gets the kids into a nice little warm up and it gets their mind into the right space.
1: Yeah, definitely, that's a, that's a great point. Have the visual cues and then there's just something with kids with structure and drilling. So if you give them that structure every day, they internalize it, you know, they're different from adults. You can, we can tell each other something one time and you know, and we expect. But with these kids, yeah, you got to establish that routine for them and and they'll fall into it.
0: And I noticed that whenever I want to punish my kids or whenever I want to reward some students for having great behavior and then other kids for I want to punish them for having bad behavior. I've had just in general a good manners rule and in Korean, at least manner means manner, right? And everybody knows good. So whenever they have good manners, whenever they're just sitting there smiling, paying attention in class, I'll say, Alex, you have great manners. Two points. And, you know, I'll tally up two points on the board for him. Oh, Alex, you lent your pencil to Eric. Great manners. Two points. And I'll do that throughout the day just so I can keep them going. And then also so I can take points away. So in case they do have bad manners, I can erase points without them freaking out because they also like they have enough points that they're happy, but they also value the points enough that they don't want to lose points, but they don't have so few points that if I erase them, you know, they're left with nothing for the day. It's kind of like a they've got if they have no hope left, they're just going to be even worse. So I want to make sure they have a nice, healthy bank account filled with points for the day.
1: Yeah, I mean that and that's excellent. Like I I haven't gotten to that point. I haven't tried that, but I should have and I think that's that's why for listeners, that's why you have to keep developing and experimenting with your system. So I don't want to just tell you this is what I do, do this. Like you can Google reward system and you can find a lot of options, but you have to tinker with it and and keep keep adding on some like stuff like Steve's talking about, and then you'll you'll find your
0: you'll find what works for you eventually. Definitely, and this this has definitely saved so many of my classes. If you don't have a clear reward system, and you don't per- have them participate with you at the beginning of class to go over the rules for that reward system, you can really lose control of your class. Even now, two years later, the days when I don't use that reward system in my class. And I'm just like, all right, guys. Um, open your books to page 76. When I don't have that nice five-minute warm-up of going over the rules, and then asking, uh, doing attendance, and then checking for homework assignments, when I just jump into class and jump into a conversation activity, everybody's lazy. Everybody, the class is just that's, as a whole yeah.
1: bad. I guess, yeah. I guess that's just the magic of boundaries and children. So you've gotta establish those boundaries. The mistake that people make is you you can't like punish or reward or do whatever if there's not those boundaries all already in place, and it'll go into chaos. Doesn't matter what you do if you don't have those boundaries clearly established before you go crazy and flip out.
0: Yeah, and some teachers, some teachers, like you said, just think, oh, this is, these rules are so obvious. Or these rules are not important so don't get out of your seat oh it's okay you know we're kind of like I have a freer classroom they can get out of their seat if they want they don't have to ask me or oh, don't speak Korean you know we speak Korean in my class because we want to you know we have difficult translation activities so we have to speak a lot of Korean to explain stuff the problem with that being these are more than just rules these are ways to create a certain mindset in your classroom right so if they're not expected to, when you say don't speak Korean, that's kind of like focus, right? They have to focus. They have to care. They have to really say with precision what they're doing. And when you do that, it doesn't lend itself to just being so relaxed and so free and so lazy as when they can just speak their native language, which really helps you with those spoiled kids because they're like the nuclear version of that. If they can speak their native language in class, they're just going to go crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's a great point you're basically
1: creating an environment which when I was new to teaching I I didn't understand like those rules about like chewing gum or you know I I didn't understand like what's the big deal they ate a piece of candy in class but it's it's more than that it's creating that boundary that environment so that they know
0: oh I've got to behave differently once I step into this place exactly it's like there's nothing wrong with you eating a fried chicken sandwich while you're running a marathon, but it's probably not going to put you in the best headspace to run that marathon. <laughs> right. right. Um, So why don't we jump into rule number dos then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Got a nice little curse word in the background there. Love doing these at the Internet Cafe. Never know what kind of cameo you'll get. Um,
1: you want to take number two or me? Uh,
0: you can go ahead and take number two.
1: Okay, let's go number two with uh, tough love. Awesome. So tough love, I think, is a, a con- definitely a concept we have in the U.S., especially, you know, when you – especially in coaching. You've got that coach, you know, when you have PE class. And then I think maybe the, the, the really – the teachers that really excel that you remember – I think that's a part of that magic. They've got that tough love thing going on. Um, So this is just kind of, I think, one of those trade secrets that, that you eventually figure out when you get into teaching. So, you know, basically you come down like them on a hammer in class, tear into them, but not completely out of anger in a in a controlled measured way and then after class you pull them aside and you know you know basically i'm hard on you because i love you or because you have potential or because i'm hard on you because you won't be successful in life if you do this behavior like you know and just you know give them some explanation
0: that's great so I definitely do that a lot too. What exactly would you come down? Can you give us an example of how teacher coming down on them like a hammer? So, it's it's definitely that that
1: class killer like we're talking about. And I'm pretty chill, pretty easygoing. My my class is probably a little bit free, too much free flow. But uh, imagine I've got a, a class killer in there, and he's just making chaos. And then um, I'm basically forced to isolate this kid. Other than that, I like to keep this, uh, you know, punish the classroom as a whole, not really single anybody out. But in this case, I have to. And um, I just look them in the eye, you know, raise my voice a little bit, maybe move them away from the other kids. And they can feel that, like the teacher's focus is on them the entire class and that makes them very uncomfortable and maybe even kicking them out of the class just look at them go leave the classroom I cannot teach you send them out and then I I, yeah I'd say that's that's my biggest go-to if I just really want to hand it to them I just look at them and tell them to leave
0: that's great. I'm done with you. Yeah. So I'm I'm always a bit nuclear in class at any given point in time. I'm just a very loud teacher. And I try to teach my kids like it's a gym class, which has good and bad points to it. It's good because it's it's high energy, but it's bad because, well, it needs to be high energy every day or else they're going to be bored. But when I bring the hammer down on them, I do pretty much the same exact thing. Just, um, go hard on them, figure out why they're doing it, take them outside of class, and then explain to them, you're a smart kid, what are you doing? What are you doing? Can you wait 20 more minutes, and then you can do whatever you want? Can you just try and bring it together in class?
1: Definitely, 100%, and that's that's just why I was saying find your strength, because I, I think our strengths are different. But yeah, I think it's great what you do in your class, I but I just can't replicate it. So, have to do things just a little bit differently based on your personality.
0: I like kicking them out, and then, but I really like that when you look at them and you ask them, what are you doing? Can't you just wait 10 minutes, 20 minutes? And then you actually get into a negotiation with the kids sometimes if they're young enough and they're naive enough. So sometimes I have 20 minutes left in class and there's a kid just spinning around in his chair. And, you know, come down like a hammer, then try to negotiate with them. And then the kid thinks, and he'll say, I can wait 10 minutes, but I can't wait 20 minutes. And I'll tell him, all right, right, how about this? Can you wait 15 minutes? And then we'll play a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe that's not the best. Maybe that's, you know, that's also a cultural thing, right? Like, I don't enforce my rules that strongly because... There's that face thing, and then there's also, like, they do baby their kids so much. That's something we didn't talk about. It's like, you said 50% of your class just spoiled in general? Yeah, in general, there's no real hard disciplinary people in the Western sense. Like, they just baby their kids a ton. So I also baby my kids a bit in class, even when I'm giving them the tough love. I think that's an excellent point, too, though, because I think
1: that's basically what's in those uh, parenting self-help books or whatever it's i've heard it's a lot of um you know a, a big part of it is giving your kid options the illusion of choice so this a or b kind of thing or this negotiating thing i think is actually a process that you're that's healthy that that, that you're supposed to go through with the kids so
0: oh, that's great i think it's fine it's yeah. it's adorable watching them like sit there like seeing little seven and a half year old like he's a little like John Gotti trying to negotiate with me. Like I'm like the New Jersey Mafia and he's the New York Mafia or something. But, you know, I'll make you, a, an offer of 10 minutes. I'll wait 10 minutes, teacher, before I go completely crazy in class. Yeah, that's great. What do you think? Can we stuff one or two or three more in? Yeah, yeah. I think directly related to this is one of my favorites that I started doing last year is push ups. Okay, push-ups. Yeah. So number three, <laughs> it's like push-ups just covers so much, and you know this might not really fly in America or in other, any other Western country, but you know having the kids exercise in class just really covers so many bases. So if they're a spoiled kid and they require a lot of attention, telling them to do fifty push-ups and when they're done sit down really is so great because they get the pride of a physical activity of achieving a goal. And they also get to get your attention, right? And 50 push-ups takes like four minutes or five minutes for especially a little kid if they can do them. You know, sometimes you want that super spoiled kid to be preoccupied for a long time because they won't focus on anything you give them. Even if you give them a completely personalized English test, they won't focus on it. And sometimes you're so desperate. You're like, dude, I need you to do about 40 push-ups right now. <laughs> and they really gleam with pride when they're done it's really weird and they get your attention for doing something good which is really what they want right they just want someone's attention so it's really great in that sense um and then with older kids it's just they don't like doing push-ups and it's kind of funny and jokey for them to do it around their classmates and I don't make anybody who's you know physically unable do push-ups um this might be sexist, but I never, I almost never have my girl students do push ups because they're not particularly strong. And I was trying to think of something else for them to do. So I just, ha- I buy cough drops that are really rotten tasting and I make them eat cough drops. <laughs> um, that might be worse. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have like an obese kid do push ups to embarrass them. Like all these kids are able to do the push ups. And it's just 10 push ups usually. For speaking Korean in class or for being a problem kid and if they're spoiled like I said it's especially the it's really good for younger spoiled kids and then older spoiled kids Um, it makes them feel like there's some type of relationship between me and them like teasing or I care or I'm giving them attention again it's like some a punishment is also attention right that's what you see in every book that you read in Psych 101 people act out for attention and so they're getting that and you know i'm also getting them to have consequences for their actions so it's pretty good yeah i think there's a spectacle aspect to
1: that so they basically become the center of attention for the entire classroom yeah so and i definitely think push up is one of the best go-to's but I be, but yeah, you're basically just creating this physical activity aspect. So I've seen Korean teachers have them hold the chairs above their heads and pump pump the chair up and down over their head. Or maybe, you know, you can make them do jumping jacks. But yeah, the key there is the psychology you're, you're describing behind it. It's, uh, I, think it's a, I think
0: it's great. That spectacle thing that you mentioned too, it really makes... The kids feel like they belong together in class it's really interesting so if you have kids who are like you said a class killer and they're the older type of class killer the way that kind of manifests itself in my school classroom is um, they don't participate and then whenever they're paired with somebody they're actively saying things like no jam which is you know Korean slang for this isn't fun Um, which it is fun you're just you just have really low self-esteem and you don't want to participate And you want to do things your way, which is because you're spoiled and you don't, you're selfish, whatever. But when they have, when you punish them with pushups, you know, the other kids kind of tease them, everybody teases them. They challenge each other. It just really makes them feel kind of counterintuitively higher (laughs) self-esteem. I don't know why it works like that, but at least to my, my academy, when they're doing pushups, they have higher self-esteem afterwards.
1: Yeah, there's some glue there
0: too. Yeah. Um, I've got a decent number four for the fourth yeah. way to solve this issue, if you don't mind me going yep. in and throwing it in. Yep. So this is kind of unique because we're able to do this because we own academies. Um, this might not be that helpful for folks who don't own academies, but put them into the korean-only class so i'm not sure exactly where you teach but there's probably going to be a curriculum that involves the native english teacher so a teacher from an english-speaking country and there's probably a curriculum for just the local uh, teacher teaching english and i've discovered whenever i put my kids into the korean-only class they have no issues and Mm. a lot of it has to do with the cultural differences in my class they have to participate it's communication based class right speaking but they have they want to save their face at all times right so they don't want to be stupid they don't want to make a mistake in front of other people so if they refuse to participate and it's based on saving face then what am i supposed to do i probably have these rules that i need to enforce right and then right. so it's this it's this vicious cycle of like they're being punished socially for being in my class because of the consequences of face culture and they're being punished according to the american expectation for classroom participation and it's just this really negative vicious cycle for the kid and they just want to mm-hmm. quit they want to leave my classroom and as a business owner i don't want kids to quit but if i think about all the complaints that i've had the past year or two and if i think about the kids who actually quit our academies it's because they were the kids with super low self-esteem that didn't want to participate in my class, and no matter what trick I used, I couldn't get them to participate, and they eventually quit. Like, I, most mostly yeah, middle yeah. school students who were so bad at English, I put them into my lowest level class, and they were still worse than the other kids in there. And God forbid there was somebody younger in that class that was better than them at English, because that's the end of the world. You know, you can't have somebody from a lower pole on the hierarchy. You know, younger means lower pole on the hierarchy doing something better than you it's this surely must not happen in life so um it's just that compounded with the spoiled kids like they don't want to follow the classroom rules and they don't want to participate because the consequences of face culture and then i can't enforce my rules because they're spoiled putting them in the korean class is the perfect alternative because the korean class doesn't really do the same things that a communication based class would do. It's reading comprehension usually or grammar mm-hmm. and it's just listen to the teacher and the output isn't speaking with your classmate. The output is you know, read this text and write about it. And it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I agree and if I can just tack that into number five uh, a fifth way you can do this is what Steve is talking about is a long term solution. So we may not all of us have like that option, like you said, but that is like sounds like just an excellent long term solution. If you have some control, um, you can do that now that which brings us to, to this point, you've got to have short term solutions, kind of midterm solutions and long term solutions. So you can't just, you know, do one of these things we're talking about, just have a great reward system. You've, you've got to have. Uh, different, different types of solution for different situations you might get into. Um, but yeah, I think that's a perfect, Steve. I think that's a perfect example of like a long-term solution to permanently fix, you know, the issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what would be short, mid-term solutions in your mind? So, I think uh, long-term,
1: like we talked about, the reward or punishment system. Uh, the, uh, creating the new class like you said now short term are these just uh, go-to things that you can kind of nip nip the issue in the bud like in a class so you've got a, a class killer a kid flipping out and then you can just have this short-term solution separate the kid change the seating arrangement and then you can survive <laughs> that one class you know so you need to have these uh short term solutions that you you can just pull out in any moment um i guess and uh, push-ups would be you know work into that as well and how about a midterm and as far as a midterm the point i want to make there is now when you you've got to you've <laughs> you've actually got to delve into the psychology a little bit. So you got to, you know, you're working with an elementary, middle, or high school. So you're working with an elementary. Well, you have to realize what their psychology is. They don't understand uh, um, long-term, uh, what, what's the saying? Uh, if, you, if you do something, basically building into something in the, lo- in the long run and getting rewarded, they don't have the imagination for that so that you know they need to get be able to buy a piece of candy that day or by the end of the week but if you get into middle school and high school they need like these more these uh longer uh concepts so for example middle school students they love to earn a point for every class and then in about three months they get to have a chicken party so they have to have that, that feeling where they're building towards something. they've got a goal, uh, a goal kind of goal oriented. So you've got to have these um, not just quick fixes in the moment. you've got to have these uh, mid
0: midpoint goals as well. Those are really great points, and I think people really forget about basic tactics to improve your classroom because, We've, we've all taken the courses, or at least we've all read about how to become better teachers. And it's so it's so weird when you suddenly realize, and you've got these spoiled kids in your class, and your systems aren't working, your reward system's not working, you're figuring out, what can I do? This is stressing me out. What can I do? It's like, oh, I have not given them assigned seating yet. Why did I not do that months ago? Um, oh, I did not make them raise their hands to ask questions. Why did I not do this months ago? Sometimes you get so laxed with your great classes that you forget how to manage bad classes and how to manage spoiled students. If you have a bunch of really well-behaved genius kids who are motivated to study English, then you're like, oh yeah, they don't need to raise their hand to ask me questions because the raising hand idea is to, you know, stop kids from just talking in class. But my really great kids just strike up conversations with me about, you know, uh, teacher, uh, had, what, what's your opinion on um, – I just had this yesterday in my B1 class. some They just talked to me, right? So, teacher, mm-hmm. what do you think about – what was the topic? Uh, teacher, what do you think about it's better to die than to live in disgrace? That was one of the opinions in the book. And they were supposed to be writing something, but they asked me that question instead it's like that's great and so i communicate with them right i respond yeah yeah but in the other classes i you know that kind of carries over and you forget oh wait you're supposed to raise your hand you so it's just kind of weird no yeah i um
1: i think you're right there i think um and if you're teaching in your home country, you've got a support network there and these veteran teachers will pull you aside and be like, hey, you know, like you said, you forgot to do a seating arrangement or, you know, this or that. But when you're teaching abroad and you're thrown into this whole another world, you may not have that mentor or whoever to, you know, point this, this kind of crap out that, um, that you may be missing these simple
0: solutions. Well and, and to be even more on that, like everybody else is kind of working against you. <laughs> when I was at <laughs> these other academies, it's like they don't they don't have classroom management at all. They really just are basically manage the classroom through sheer charisma and right, right, and the fact yeah. that there's the hierarchy, the Korean hierarchy, that's probably the m- biggest way that they manage the classroom so I'm an older Korean person and right. you must exactly. respect me. They don't really have classroom management techniques. And so when you go from that into your classroom, especially like, oh, I'm an older Korean, you must respect me. When I'm speaking, you can't speak. And their classes are mostly lecture based and there's no speaking, right? So even when they're not lecturing the kids, the kids then are just filling out worksheets or workbooks or you know, reading. And then they come into your class and they, they don't know how to, they're not allowed to speak in the other classes. Suddenly they're allowed to speak, and so that's confusing for them. You're a foreigner; yeah. that's confusing for them. It's, and then you have rules. What are these rules? Why I don't need to follow rules, because you know the 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 relationship between order and structure is entirely based on the Korean hierarchy for them elsewhere. But in your class, it's based on these kind of like classroom management rules from another from another country. It's weird for them yeah yeah and again I'm not gonna
1: I'm not gonna exactly pull the racism card here but (laughs) there's you know there's that older Korean male that's teaching that class in that way commanding that respect and um, that hierarchy and then like I'm not saying he's gonna go out and say this but, but you're the foreign teacher that is there to have a quote conversation class a speaking class with them which they do not get tested on. There are, you know, a lot of times there, there's no nothing that tests them. What they get, what they learn in your class. So there's this idea that they go to the foreigner's teacher's class to, you know, to have a good time. <laughs> so it can really work against you. You you gotta you gotta be aware of
0: that. Yeah, I can't remember any experience I had at an academy that actually went that good. Like, there are ones that didn't go as crappily as every other experience, but it was always, there's no value in my class, but the kids need to be fluent once they're done with it, and if they're not fluent, then I don't understand why my kid's there. Uh, And, yeah, like you said, there's really no support system. Like, they don't have rules that they enforce. Like, even at the director level at academies, they just placate the moms, and they placate the kids. So that just feeds into this network of spoiled kids right and so yeah you've got to magically create like we said at the beginning of this episode a kid who's motivated to learn english and well disciplined when he doesn't experience boundaries anywhere in his life and there's nobody motivating him to actually learn in the very literal sense at home or anywhere else in his life it's so weird Yeah, you're speaking the teacher language now for sure. Oh, it is it is most heinous. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think these five rules really help. And so if I can just recount them to everybody, it would be, number one, have that reward system that everyone understands. They need to understand how to get rewards and they need to understand how they'll lose rewards. Um, I think two, you mentioned, and I it's slipping the brain here. Is it tough love? Tough love, that was it. Two is tough love. You don't come down on them like a hammer. But uh, tell me you love them too. So they understand what's up. Three was push-ups. Always a go-to. Always great. Kind of bonds everybody together. Don't do it to kids who obviously can't physically do it. That's messed up. Um, don't do it to kids who be ridiculed because of it. We've discovered that doing push-ups of physical punishment are kind of like camaraderie building moments in Korea. Especially because it's a collectivist culture. Nobody's going to sit there and make fun of a kid for it in a really negative way. They're going to tease each other and have a good time with it. So don't do it maybe in America. <laughs> That'd be a bad idea. Um, uh, and the fourth one was put them into a Korean class. It's just put them into your, your local teacher's class. The, the person from that country's class. Um, they can behave better there. And then fifth was short-term, midterm, and long-term solutions. Have that all that planned out and you'll be good to go. So uh, yeah, one hundred percent. How any last tidbits? Bits. Uh
1: no, yeah, just. I think you, um, I think you just take one or two of those points, and uh, you will see a huge difference. Now, yeah, I guess a last a last tidbit here. Do not expect to put these into place. And to and for them to work within a month or two. If you've already lost control of the class, or you've got a, cast, a class killer that's been running circles around you, it's gonna take a while. But just stick with it. And these principles, you know, these are principles that have been used for a long time, so they will eventually work. You just gotta, you gotta, you're you're going uphill. It's really hard to do the opposite to rein them back in when you've already lost them. So just just keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, very clutch words, because my students from two years ago are much, much, much worse in class than my students who just joined a month ago. So Oh yeah. Don't punish <laughs> yeah. yourself if you can't we'll yeah, back. if you can't transform kids who already expect to be able to get away with stuff in class. Alright, well cool. Folks, glad you tuned in. Glad to be back here at the, uh, the PC bongs recording these podcasts for you guys because we had a nice little summer sabbatical there. But uh, hopefully we'll be <laughs> pumping these out a lot more often. Make sure you check out com for all your conversation lessons, ESL games, and children resource needs. And uh, catch you guys next time.
1: Catch you later.